Our, uh, our Bible records that the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle besides the resurrection that is written up in all four Gospels. It's a powerful story, and now you and I get to join the crowd that day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Let me pray. Father, the Sea of Galilee is still there. And that area where these folks met is probably still there. This is historical. It actually happened. What a, what a great thing to be able to, to learn more about this event. I wonder what it was like to be a part of the crowd. I wonder what it was like to be a disciple and to be Jesus and to watch him and learn from him. We get to do that now. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus tells his disciples that it's, it's time for a getaway. He says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. But good plans change. They find a spot along the shore, exactly what they were sailing for. It's a remote place, according to verse 35. But the crowds show up immediately. It, it's a gathering of thousands. That just cancels all rest plans. The original purpose was downtime and refreshment. Seeing the people, you got to ask, why did Jesus get out of the boat? Why did he let the crowd, this, this aggressive, ever-present, always-wanting-more mob, push him into, into more teaching and, and more healing and more ministry? I think he was rightfully concerned for his men to begin with. So why step into serving thousands? Well, first of all, it says he had great compassion for this huge crowd who had no shepherd, no one to provide for them, to protect them, to guide them. So here at, at this time, and, and with this huge gathering, moved by com his compassionate heart, he got out of the boat. But I also think that while the disciples are tired, Jesus is setting them up. Yeah, he, he's teaching the crowd, and he, but he's also pushing the apostles to learn a lesson they can only learn when their plans are disrupted. Watch. Jesus moves into the crowd. He gets to work because he cared. He teaches them. He heals their sick. But evening's coming. And the more forward thinking of the 12 apostles realizes, hmm, remote place, big crowd, no food. I wonder were their stomachs growling? Were little kids fussing, wanting to eat? Were fathers in the crowd getting glares from their women to go find dinner. Well, Jesus gets it. And he turns to the thousands and he says, well, folks, that about wraps it up for today. You guys need food and we need our time alone. Thanks for coming. Well, nobody anticipated his next move. Nobody saw what was coming. To his men, uh, guys, they, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat.
You feed them, he says. Now, for the few disciples who had been in Cana at a particular wedding with him, they knew that water was all that was needed for some fabulous wine. Jesus had provided that. But he just told the tired 12, looking at 5,000 plus, you give them something to eat. And Thomas the doubter might be thinking of 16 ways while this will never work. And maybe Judas Iscariot is feeling the weight of the treasury bag that he skims from and wants to keep full, making up excuses why there's nowhere near enough money to buy food for everyone, even if, even if Costco were around the hill. And possibly Matthew, the tax collector, is the one who provides the cost analysis. Verse 37, Lord, there's, there's not enough. Ah, but Jesus' resources have never been a problem for you. And they, they still aren't for those of us who are your children. And you set up the faith classroom perfectly. You're, again, discipling your men by first disrupting their expectations. Things are rarely as they appear, boys. You guys are, are limiting Jehovah Jireh, God provider, to what you think he can provide, whether it's wine or, or bread and fish or forgiveness and eternal life. Pay attention, men. Okay, what have, what have we got to start with? Well, Lord, there's a, there's a kid here with his meal bag, but he's only got a total of five loaves and two fish. That, that's it. And, and even if we take the boys' food, it's only going to be a snack for just a few of us. Jesus, did you wink at the kid and whisper, Okay, son, that'll do. May I borrow these? Were you smiling? Was there a, a twinkle in your eyes that made a, a couple of them think, Wait, wait a minute. What has he got planned? Verse 39, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Oh, think of this. He, he's just finished a sermon that they all heard. Why didn't he just turn from the 12 and, and tell the folks how to group up and sit down? Now he delegates authority. Jesus engages the apostles in an activity that's the opposite of logical. And I like the way he gets the 12 serving. It's a great example of humility in front of the crowds. And, and the men, they get to hold this miracle in their hands. You've got to think, think about these waiters. I mean, you've got an impulsive Peter and, and a hated tax collector, Matthew, and the sons of thunder, they're working the crowd. And I, I wonder about this mob. They're now in, in groups on the green grass. Lord, have you, have you ever worked that many, 5,000 men plus? We know that there were women and kids there too. But in public, you gotta understand, women weren't allowed to sit with men to eat. So they were separate and uncounted. 
I wonder who of the 12 went over and fed the wives and kids. But the crowd sits and things get orderly and, and probably expecting more teaching. And again, no one anticipates a, a two-course meal, all you can eat. But Jesus knew. So he takes the small barley loaves and, and the, the fish in his hands, and he looks up to heaven and he prays. D did you pray out loud? Did you give thanks? Th this was a prayer by the Son to the Father just before a miracle over nature. Well, then after an amen and a brief awkward pause, time to eat. And you break the bread and break the bread and break the bread and break the bread and break the bread. And more serving baskets have to be scrounged up. Jesus, you had to be smiling as the bread and the fish kept multiplying before their eyes. Is this fun for you? Is there stunned laughter around the circle of disciples? How, how is he doing that? How, how did the fish multiply? Two became a, a whole school? Can you even have a school of dead fish? I, I don't know how big the loaf or the size of the fish, how big they were, but, but the laws of nature require that the result of dividing is always smaller pieces. Unless you're not dividing, even though it looks like you're dividing. So here's where division is actually multiplication. And only God can do that. Go on, boys, feed the people. Now the implication, and that's all it is, is that they each had two baskets and used one for bread and one for fish. But, but I don't know about that. Maybe Jesus hands them part of a, of a loaf and, and a fish and said, go. And as they break off pieces of it, it, it never shrinks. Or as they hand out small fish, there's another one right there. Were there bread guys and fish guys? Or, or did they have one in each hand and people broke off the pieces? I'll bet the disciples just kept shaking their heads as they served. And, and on a side note, you got to wonder, how could Judas Iscariot been a part of this and so much more and do what he did in betraying our Lord? Just a side thought. Back to the serving. Well, if we stick to the, just the number of the men, 5,000, then each of the 12 were responsible for serving 417 people. But I'll bet this is, this is really a fun job. Did they get lots of thank yous? Did they, did, they, did they have whole bunches of questions thrown at them? How did they answer the question like, where, where did you guys get all this food? And, and how quickly did they deflect the praise pointing to that man over there? Oh, and how good did it all taste? Judging by the quality of the wine at Cana, I'll bet this was delicious bread and outstanding fish. The crowd response? Bible says one word, satisfied. No kidding. The passage says they were filled. 
That's not a snack or an appetizer. It means full. And I, I love the clever amount of leftovers, 12 baskets. So listen to this from a New International Study Bible note along with this, this uh, verse. It says, quote, Bread was regarded by Jews as a gift of God, and it was required that scraps that fell on the ground during a meal be picked up. The fragments were collected in a small wicker basket that was carried as a part of daily attire. Each of the disciples returned with his basket full, end quote. So <clears throat> I think wrapping up, a, a big lesson is that God has resources that we know nothing about. Think of his previous provision, manna for 40 days, 40 years, water from a rock, a ram to sacrifice instead of a son named Isaac, cooking oil for a destitute mom, wine for a wedding party, and on and on and on. God has resources we know nothing about. Do you see that really all Jesus needed in this was one biscuit and a, and a, small, and a small fish? The rest was extra? I think also there's value in remembering Will that boy ever forget what happened to his small barley loaves and fish? Do you remember when God of all creation provided for you extravagantly? It's good to remember. It grows faith and it generates worship. It's good to remember. But I also see, I see this as a setup for the 12 to grow them and to grow you and me as we understand this story. Yes, thousands got one meal, but this actually causes Jesus some trouble down the road. The masses love that he can be meals on wheels or probably better snacks and sandals. Yes, he, he will heal and he will teach and he will feed, but he's training the 12. There's no doubt in my mind that the big deal here is not filling the stomachs of 5,000 plus people. I think Jesus is also opening the eyes and the hearts of his men. He's modeling compassion and care when it is uncomfortable. Oh, and this whole thing is a significant deity statement for them. I am God, your provider. Well, we've learned a lot from him. So did the apostles when 5,000 came for supper. Let me pray. Father, you feed fish and you feed barley loaves. And people are in awe, but they go home. And just a few hours, their stomachs are empty again. You talked about yourself as the bread of life, the living water. Father, you are a provider that we just can't, can't get hold of. Thank you for all of these things. Thank you for these stories and the picture it is of salvation, the salvation that you give as a gift, meeting it out to the people whom you select. Thank you, Father, for the feeding of the 5,000 and all that we can learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>